2: Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing
3: Company, Golden, Colorado. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis.
0: How
2: was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth.
3: It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com.
2: What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat?
3: What? Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You are listening to RotoViz Radio, a fantasy football podcast with your host, Matthew Friedman.
1: Hey everyone, I'm Matt Freeman, Matt F. The Oracle of the Action Network in RotoViz. Welcome to a special edition of RotoViz Radio. Today we are talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In between the NFL combine and the draft, I'm interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Greg Allman of the Tampa Bay Times. He's a beat writer for the Buccaneers, and for a number of years, he covered the national champion, South Florida Bulls. In this episode, he talks with us about what the Buccaneers plan to do with all their cap space, how they might approach the number seven overall pick, and when the team could look to take a running back in the upcoming draft. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all the premium NFL content on the site and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Greg Almond of the Tampa Bay Times. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Almond, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on everything to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Greg, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. No, thanks for having me. Uh, let's jump into it. It is an exciting time of year. We just had the combine. Uh, the free agency period is coming up, and the Buccaneers have approximately $70 million in cap space. That is a lot of money. What do you think that they are planning to do with it? Yeah, I mean, I think their priority
2: going into this offseason is probably starting with extended their own. I mean, they got a fair amount of guys, uh, coming up with contracts up in the next year. Uh, so a lot of guys like Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet, Quan Alexander, Mike Evans, those are all guys that they need to get, uh, locked up first and foremost. And obviously there's areas they need to address. Uh, when you're five and 11, you got a lot of holes. So, uh, defensive and cornerback, there's a lot of positions that they'll address either through free agency or the draft, but one or the other here in the next uh, six weeks or so.
1: So you mentioned in a recent article that some of the Buccaneers are attempting to woo free agents uh, to join the Buccaneers. Uh, Out of all of the free agents out there, who are the ones that you think the Buccaneers would most like to get uh, who could realistically uh, land in Tampa? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to Defensive end is probably the biggest need they
2: have, and it's just not a good year for ends, unfortunately. I mean, you see uh, Ezekiel Anza get a franchise tag. Demarcus Lawrence got a franchise tag. Uh, some of the guys that have kind of come available in trades, the Bucks have had an interest in, but ultimately not been able to get. So you saw uh, Robert Quinn go to the Dolphins. You saw Michael Bennett go to the Eagles. Uh, so, so far, you know, free is still a week off. But the Bucs haven't really done anything yet, so there's a frustration with the fans just because they want to have answers. Uh, This is a team that finished last in the NFL in sacks last year, only had 22 all season, Uh, so they need to do something. Uh, But so far, I haven't seen that. In terms of of who their matches are in free agency, we don't know where they're going to go in terms of high-dollar guys, $10 million-a-year guys. Um, There's not a lot, especially at defensive end. It's just not a strong class for that. But they have to find somebody to help things out, uh, or it's going to be much of the same next year for them.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier cornerback is a uh, potential position of need, uh, and, and you wrote recently about um, Minka Fitzpatrick potentially falling to uh, to the Bucks at number 7. One, uh, do you think that is something... Uh, I guess, one, do you think it's possible, and then two, does he seem to fit the prototype of what the Buccaneers might be looking for in the defensive backfield?
2: I mean, what's tricky with Minka is, is deciding what position he is in the NFL. I mean, he's a guy that played... Uh, corner, played some safety for sure, uh, you know, played some slot, played some, you know, time linebacker in college. So he's played a little bit of everywhere and I think that versus really is a strong point, but normally you wouldn't use a top 10 pick on a guy unless he's an outside cornerback. Um, they used a second round pick on a safety. So I don't know that they'd really use their top pick on a safety again this year. So in terms of whether Mink is a match, it just kind of depends on where they think he can play. Um, if they value that versatility, if they like a guy that can line up multiple spots and be used different ways, he's probably the best defensive back in his class. You probably put him ahead of Denzel Ward and Derwin James, all those types. Um, you know They have Brent Crimes as a free agent. He's 34 years old. Uh, they have to decide if they're going to bring him back. Um, they have Vernon Hargraves. They put a first-run draft pick into two years ago. But he hasn't had a very good two years. Uh, they moved him inside the slot corner last year. He got hurt and missed the last whatever six seven games of the year. Uh, so they have big answers or big questions they have to answer uh, all over the secondary right now.
1: Okay, so the Buccaneers are picking seventh. Uh, If Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't fall to them, uh, there are a number of things they could do with that pick. Potentially they could go with a a defensive end. Uh, They can maybe look to to trade the pick. Maybe, uh, you know, one of the top four quarterbacks would have slid down and someone could trade up. What are your thoughts? I just, uh, holistically about that number seven pick.
2: Yeah. Like you said, um, the the biggest needs they have don't necessarily match the strengths of this draft. So, I mean, there's a good chance that Bradley Chubb will be gone when they pick at seven. Um, if they see somebody like Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, that would, that would work, but there's probably not a corner that's an obvious pick at number seven. There's probably not another defensive end. Uh, you think about a Marcus Davenport or an Arden and Key. Those are generally seen in the guys later in the round. So yeah, like you mentioned, um, if they're trying to stick to positional needs, they might do well to trade down. You know, I mean, Buffalo's a team a lot of people point to. They, they have the 21st and 22nd pick. Do need a quarterback, uh, so if one of those top four were still there at seven, it might be a situation where the Bucks would benefit from trading down, uh, picking up a an extra pick or two, letting them address more needs, um, and maybe have their needs fall in line with the talent of the draft a little better. So hard to know. I mean, again, there's there's lots of different options. Um, it, it seems unlikely that Saquon Barkley would be there, but they need help at running back. Um, it seems unlikely mean, that you could see a guy like Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame. You know, where you can get the best offensive lineman in a draft, that's pretty strong, but that's not necessarily the biggest need they have. So it just depends on, on how they evaluate uh, the non-quarterback talent at the top of this draft and, and what falls to them at seven.
1: So you mentioned their running back being a position of need, and it happens that, uh, at least from my perspective, This is a pretty good class for running backs, uh, both in terms of the talent near the top of the draft, but then also in some of the guys available in the middle rounds. Uh, And, you know, the Buccaneers, again, uh, just released Doug Martin. Charles Sims is a uh, a free agent. So potentially they could go for a running back in the middle rounds. Are there some guys that you have your eye on that uh, you you think would be a good fit for what the Buccaneers want to do?
2: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of talk here of, of using a later pick, a second or third round pick on our running back. Uh, a lot of people down here uh, like Penny, um, you know, you see people that like uh, Mark Walton from Miami. You know, I think if, if I mean, Sony Michelle's probably gone by the end of the first round. So even when they pick a 38, he might be gone. Uh, but again, if they get to the third round, they have an address running back and it's you know, like Brad Chubb is there. or Nick Chubb, I should say, is there. Um, that could be a match for them. You know, they – probably waited too long last year. I mean, they trusted in Doug Martin last year. They waited till the fifth round to take Jeremy McNichols. He didn't even make their initial cut. So I think they recognize that if they're going to do something, they probably need to do it a little bit earlier in the draft. You know, a year ago, obviously, you saw what Alvin Kamara did. You saw what Kareem Hunt did uh, as mid-round guys that still performed at a very high level. The challenge is just finding who those guys are in this draft.
1: You know, I'd like to, to follow up on the running back situation last year and then thinking about it, projecting forward to this year. So uh, there were a number of guys on the roster. Uh, Jeremy McNichols was drafted, and he had a pretty good college career. Um, you know, decent size, decent, uh, decent athleticism, and a pretty good receiving back. So... You know, projecting forward, maybe a guy who could have three down potential moving forward, but there was just a logjam of running backs in front of him, and and he couldn't do it. Do you think the problem was that uh, maybe the scouting on him was good, but there was just too much talent in front of him, or do you think they overvalued no, him I mean, and had to cut him?
2: Yeah, I mean they're, they're really. I mean the Bucks struggled as a running game. They they could have used help last year. Um, you know, McNichols uh, was injured in the summer and missed a fair amount in terms of reps and OTAs and many camps, and then was behind in the playbook. I mean, the coaches in preseason were on him for, for not knowing his playbook, and it set him back uh, enough so where they cut him. I mean, it's not like he really went and landed anywhere else. Uh, Niners picked him up on their practice squad. Uh, he came up and was on their roster at the end of the year, but didn't really do anything. So I think there's a miss in terms of what he was capable of taking on. You know, a lot of things come together in terms of injury struggles with the playbook to where it just kind of takes himself out of contention. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't know where the, the problem falls on that, but it really wasn't a lack of opportunity or talent in front of them. They, they needed help at running back and, and just still didn't see the need to keep him around.
1: Let's, uh, let's assume that Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't reach uh, the seventh pick in the first round. Uh, there would still be uh, conceivably the need at cornerback. Are there some guys, uh, you know, maybe in the middle rounds or later rounds uh, at the defensive back position that you think would be decent fits for the Buccaneers? No, that could be.
2: I mean, again, they're going to need to take a corner um, somewhere. I mean, unless they really address it in free agency, Uh, two of their safeties were free agents and might not be back. So they could use help there as well. Um, There's a lot of needs. There could be a decent amount of turnover with this roster, uh, so, no, in terms of specific guys that are a match, uh, I don't know. They, they don't mind smaller corners here with the Bucs. Uh, you know, pretty much everybody they used last year, whether it be Grimes or Hargraves or Robert McClain, were in that 5'10", 5, 5'11", 5, group. So, I mean, they don't mind smaller guys. They're not going to shy away from size as long as there's quickness and athleticism. Uh, so, no, I mean, Denzel Ward is a guy that, again, some people have as a top-ten pick. And if they were high on him and then didn't see what they wanted from a pass rushing standpoint, he could be a match for them as well.
1: You know, I'm, I'm curious about the quarterback position. Um, so obviously Jameis Winston is locked in as the starter. Ryan Fitzpatrick last year was the backup. Um, didn't perform well in uh, his spot duty there. What do you think they're looking to do at the backup position? Uh, maybe draft a guy or bring in a veteran? Yeah, I don't, I don't
2: think they would draft someone necessarily. They're in a tough position. Fitzpatrick didn't play that badly. He, he went 2-1 and one as a starter when he stepped in. So I think they were very pleased with him. Not only how he fared stepping in, but just as a mentor, as a guy that's been in the league since 2005 and is almost like another coach in that room. Uh, but again, they don't know going into the season. There's possibility that James Winston could be suspended to start the year. Um, the league is investigating allegations that he uh, groped a female Uber driver in Arizona two years ago. Um, so because of that, there's, there's kind of a, a need to potentially do more at backup quarterback than you normally would, just because that that could be somebody that's your starter for the first four games if things go badly for them. Um, Fitzpatrick is a free agent. Um, he's expressed an, an interest in coming back, uh, would be content to be in that mentor-backup role. Uh, but, I mean, this, there, there could be a fair amount of turnover at quarterback across the league where they might be able to get uh, a quarterback better than Fitzpatrick as a backup. Um, they have a guy named Ryan Griffin who's under contract for next year, who's been their number three for the last three years uh, without taking a snap. So they have a lot of decisions there. And again, I think part of it has to hinge on, on what, what they think will happen with this league investigation into Winston and whether he might face any kind of suspension.
1: I'd like to talk a little bit about the, the passing game. Uh, there's some fantastic talent there. Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, uh, who's going into his second year, who you know flashed at times. Uh, and then even Adam Humphreys there is a, a slot receiver, is a, a pretty competent guy. And then you have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, uh, a very good uh, duo at the tight end position. How do you think we're going to see, because I, I guess I, I should say that the 2017 season, you saw all of these players and it didn't match uh, the potential that you saw. What do you think we're going to see for the passing game in 2018? Yeah, I mean, the Bucks had a team record for passing yards last
2: season. They threw the ball a lot in part because they were down in a lot of games. Uh, Mike Evans probably had a down year, didn't have the touchdowns he had the year before in going to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Deshaun Jackson certainly was a disappointment in terms of not connecting the way they had hoped or needed him to as a deep ball guy. Uh, so no, I think there's a sense of frustration, like you said. The, the whole talk going into the last season was all the weapons they had for Winston, uh, with Evans, with Jackson, with Howard, with Braid. Uh, even Godwin as a rookie. And, and it really didn't have that consistently. Their red zone wasn't really what they needed to be. Um, so Jackson's kind of going to make or break year. He he is disappointed, sets some off-field problems. Uh, Godwin stepped up very well in the second half of last season, was probably their number two receiver in the second half of the season. Uh, so, no, they need Evans to be much better in terms of where he was in 15. He's you know entering an option year, would be a free agent a year from now, uh, so it's important for him to get things worked out where he can get a long-term deal and stay with Tampa Bay um, they have some tough decisions to make in terms of where they're going to throw the balls and then who gets the target in this offense moving forward. Uh,
1: can you talk a little bit about Todd Monken and the uh, the increased role that he's going to have this year and how that might impact what we see on the offense?
2: Yeah, uh, Monken, you know, was the receivers coach and offensive coordinator last year, and in in kind of minor reshuffling of, of duties, um, they took the receivers coach position away from him. Uh, so now he's just a, what they call a walk-around offensive coordinator, somebody with no positional ties who can help a little bit of everywhere. Um, Dirk Hutter is certainly an offensive coach. He'll continue to have the play calling most likely. Uh, but I think this kind of gives more time for the, the offensive coordinator to be in with quarterbacks if he wants. Um, they also have a running game coordinator that's the offensive line coach. But no, I think as much as anything, it's just uh, changing who the voices are in terms of who's working with Winston, who's helping Winston, Uh, with the hopes, I mean, Munkin's a former head coach, uh, has coached with Dirk since they were in Jacksonville together, so the two of them are very much on the same page. Uh, It's just a bigger role, and it probably lets Dirk Cutter have more time to just be a head coach and and focus on the team as a whole as well.
1: All right, Greg, uh, thank you so much for your time. This was fantastic, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. No problem. Thanks again for having me. Have a good one. We just finished speaking with Greg Allman, a Buccaneers beat writer for the Tampa Bay times. We covered a lot. Here are some of my thoughts on what he had to say. Uh, First, the Buccaneers have a lot of cap space, Uh, over 70 million, I believe in cap space, which is kind of incredible. Uh, And so it, it raises the question of what they're going to do with all of it. Uh, Are they going to be big players in free agency? Uh, What's amazing is that it seems as if that is not going to be the case. Um, I mean, maybe they could get a kicker for one thing, but uh, it looks like for the most part, they're going to be looking to use that money to reinvest into uh, some of the players they have to keep players. Uh, On the one hand, that makes sense because they do have something of a talented roster. Uh, On the other hand, it is a team that really underperformed last year. Uh, Let me rephrase that. A team that played poorly last year. So for it to make sense to uh, put the focus with your money on retaining your players, you have to assume that uh, the players can perform better than they did last year. Uh, Maybe, uh, you know, regress to what you would expect of as their mean production. And you also have to expect that the coaching staff is capable of, um, of actually getting the talent out of the the players that they already are familiar with um given that the buccaneers famously i guess maybe infamously uh you know flirted with the idea of bringing back uh john gruden it seems as if they're not really sold on their coaching staff which is its own kind of problem but uh right now it looks like it's going to be business (laughs) as usual for the, the tampa bay buccaneers uh you know, the, the ship is, uh, you know, staying steady, uh, and they're going to invest their money into the players that they already have in house. Um, uh, you know, I guess what that means is that they will be looking primarily to the draft as the way of improving their team. What's interesting is that I think they have one of the, the crucial picks in this draft. Uh, they are sitting there with the, the seventh overall pick. Um, when I, I, I talked with, uh, Greg about the team needs that they had, right. Uh, I mean, he listed a number, right. Uh, defensive back, specifically cornerback, but you know, safety is also in there. Um, defensive end, right. Edge rusher. Uh, they were last in the league in sacks last year. Um, you know, it it wouldn't hurt to have some help, uh, in the interior line. Uh, what is really fantastic about having those needs, uh, also also running back, but about having those needs is that there are players who could fit uh, conceivably with how the draft might fall. Um, so let's just kind of look at this. Darnold, Rosen, Allen, and Mayfield, I think the odds are pretty good that three of those four guys are going to be drafted before pick seven. Uh, whether that's, uh, you know, like the Browns, the Giants, Uh, the Broncos, the Jets, whether three of those teams take players or whether teams trade up. However it is, I think the odds are pretty high. At least three quarterbacks will be taken in the top six picks. Maybe even four quarterbacks. What that means is that someone who is very good is going to fall down to pick seven. It probably won't be... uh, It probably won't be... Maybe the best player in the draft in Saquon Barkley. But stranger things have happened. Uh, So it maybe could be, but probably won't. So we'll take him off the list. If he did, I I think it's a no-brainer for them to pick him because they do have a huge hole at running back. But let's say Barkley is off the board. It could be Bradley Chubb. uh, And that's perfect. They need, they very much need a defensive end. And Chubb could be there. Uh, Let's say he's not. And that means you have five players who are off the board and you have Minka Fitzpatrick who's sitting there, Quentin Nelson, who's sitting there and Harold Landry. Uh, So a fantastic situation. And Harold Landry is someone I I think it's worth thinking about a little bit more. Uh, He had a fantastic uh, season two years ago, looked like, uh, you know, one of the the dominant pass rushers in college football Um, last year. He had an ankle injury, uh, so people were kind of unsure about about his talent, about his athleticism. At the Combine, he looked like a top 10 caliber player. So uh, I don't think if they take Landry that they are reaching to take him. I think they're taking him in the appropriate range and it perfectly fits a need. So I think they are going to get a high impact player uh, with the seventh pick whether that is Fitzpatrick or Landry or Nelson. Um, And if it happens where uh, somehow a quarterback drops to them, then I think they could be in a pretty enviable position to trade the pick, move down a few spots, and maybe still get a a high-impact player. So uh, I I think a lot is riding uh, on, on that seventh pick, how the players fall. But I think at a minimum, they are going to be able to get a starter there and someone they can plug in right away. Um, out of the the non-quarterbacks who could fall to them, uh, I think it's least realistic to think that it is Barkley who falls to them. I think Chubb could fall, Fitzpatrick, uh, Nelson, Landry, any of those guys, I think there's a decent chance that they could be available. I really doubt that Saquon Barkley is going to be there with the seventh pick. So what that means is that um, they need a running back. They aren't going to be in a realistic position to draft maybe the one guy who could, I mean, I I don't like the idea of taking running backs in the top 10. But if you think that Barkley is the most talented player in this draft, conceivably, he provides some sort of like vacuum, sort of like vacuum based agnostic uh, value uh, at number seven. So maybe you could justify taking him, although I don't think it is justifiable, but conceivably they could justify taking him at seven, but he's not going to be there. So that means they need to address the the running back position at another spot uh, in the draft. And day two, I think is, is really a, uh, a good place to, uh, to do that. One, one thing I should say is that um, at fantasy labs, Uh, Ian Harditz has written uh, an article about the Buccaneers team needs. And it's, if you, if you go there and and look, it really does match up pretty ideally with, uh, with some of the players who could be available for them at seven. So uh, again, something that just kind of reinforces this, but uh, the running backs who could be available on day two uh, it's, (laughs) it's always difficult to say uh, which players are, Uh, Very good arbitrage versions of other players. So uh, as good as Saquon Barkley is, there's a chance that uh, some of the running backs taken after him could actually outperform him uh, or could play close enough, could approximate his production to make it more reasonable to draft them instead of him. As good as Saquon Barkley is. Uh, and I think some of those guys will be there on day two. So, Rashad Penny from San Diego State, uh, I think he's fantastic. Darius Geist, there is a chance that he is there, uh, you know, near the top of the second round. Uh, Nick Chubb will be there in the second round, potentially the third round. Royce Freeman is a guy, uh, I, I think is silently impressive. Um, at Oregon. Fantastic freshman season, uh, freshman offensive player of the year in the PAC 12, um, you know, paired with Marcus Mariota to have a really dynamic backfield as a sophomore became the the centerpiece of that Oregon offense uh, struggled through a junior season in which he was injured, but he still had a thousand yards in 10 touchdowns. And then as a senior, he totally returned to form uh, almost, almost 1500 yards, uh, 16 touchdowns in 12 games. Um, pretty incredible player. And I think people just thought of him as a big bodied guy who was very sluggish, but at the combine, he really showed something, uh, you know, 511 229 pounds. So he is a, a big bodied guy who can take a lot of volume, but he ran a 4.54 40 time, which for his size is very good. Um, you know, faster than what we saw out of guys previously who are similarly sized in Carlos Hyde, Jordan Howard, um, you know, faster than Le'Veon Bell, um, faster than Jeremy Hill. You know, he's, he has the speed uh, to be good at his size. Most importantly, he actually has very good agility too, Uh, had a 6.93 cone. Um, And then to go along with that. What was really impressive was that as a sophomore, he had 26 receptions for 348 yards as a receiver. Um, guys who are that big, who have agility like that and then that type of receiving production, those guys are very rare. That's like uh, like Levion Bell, not quite Levion, but like Levion Bell type of rarity. Um, I think Freeman is definitely a value. If they can get him in the third round, I think he's even uh, justified as a second round pick. Um, but he is someone who could fit in there. Um, but regardless, um, you know, because it doesn't make much sense to take a running back in the first round, and because they're not going to have a shot at at Barkley anyway, it looks like for day two they will probably be looking to take a running back, um, and then assuming the offense can, you know, kind of regress to what it maybe should have been uh, and it can be explosive. And then they have a workhorse runner. Uh, Whoever gets taken uh, to play as the starter for that team is going to be someone who is really intriguing from a fantasy perspective. I think both uh, in redraft and also in dynasty. So that is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. And uh, the odds are that it will probably be a, uh, a day two runner, uh, you know, I didn't mention uh, Ronald Jones or or uh, Sonny Michelle, but uh, someone is going to be someone who's impressive and it's a deep running back class. Um, I don't want to say that it is uh, 2008 deep, but uh, there are definitely guys taken on day two who will perform uh, just as well as, you know, some first rounders have from previous seasons. So definitely something to keep an eye on there and to see what the Bucks do with their running back position. Uh, and that's going to do it. For this Buccaneers Focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all of the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz Podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Raheem, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Road of his Radio feed. Contact us via email, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Road of his Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a thirty percent discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, slash podcast Technology truths brought to you by Geico. Technology
3: truths. Truth: Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis.
2: How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth!
3: It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com.
2: What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat?
3: What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
1: They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment